and welcome to the other guys podcast i'm your host from pizzelli and i'm joined as always by ryan norberg ryan how you doing today how was your uh new year's yours was good it's quiet no fireworks or anything but it was good so you fun. didn't sit, set any off in your backyard you own like a big ranch don't you yeah we didn't do that we didn't have the cops called on us we just had game night which is actually fun because i haven't done game night since i was a kid mm. what games do you play monopoly cards against humanity uh, oh, that's a good one it's a little awkward with parents and stuff. But. Nah, my, my parents are terrible. Um, and then Phase 10, which is like a card game. It's pretty fun. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Well, cool. So, <clears throat> so this episode, we wanted to kind of touch on the year of 2020 and not necessarily go about it in the sense of, because 2020 was a forgettable year for the most part, and it wasn't the greatest year, I would say, for like 90% of the world. But um we kind of wanted to look at it from a glass half full kind of perspective of what we think are the top five best things about 2020 and the best things to come out of 2020. Um, this is this is my top five. Me and Ryan kind of discussed it a little bit and I kind of like put into a list format. So Ryan, I'll just jump right into it. Number five on this list, I have intelligence slash like unintelligence. Let me explain this a little bit. So I have intelligence as number five because this 2020 showed that people um, seek knowledge. They seek the ability to know things and they seek, um, they seek avenues to be able to gain knowledge in areas they have no knowledge about, right? So COVID ha- happened. Each pr- majority of the people sought out information on how to best approach it for their personal endeavors and what they had to do so right so i don't remember obviously we don't remember a time but i don't remember anything kind of similar to that where people were searching out knowledge to the capacity that we were this year in the same sense it goes with unintelligence if people were doing the same thing of i'm just not going to pay attention to this i'm just going to ignore it and i think that showed a big divide between i guess the smart people of the country and the dummies of the country (laughs) And that I think that's a good thing to come out of 2020 because you know who to trust, you know who to listen to, you know how to go about things that if we have a pandemic, God forbid, again, that we know how to go about it. And that things like this, natural disasters, um, human disasters, that we have a way of, of going about it. So what do you think about my number five on this list? I guess it's fair. If you want to go off of like important figures that we see every day as people, and knowing which ones seem to go about the pandemic the right way versus not like politicians and celebrities and athletes and everyone who wanted to put their point in. Um, I mean, I agree with that. I think the other thing is you can see organizations that kind of uh, fumbled the ball too. And ones that seem to implement really good procedures. Like a great example for me is I joked about this. And when the pandemic started that Chick-fil-A could solve the entire pandemic in like t- 10 days because for like two months, the only time I ever left the house to eat was like once a week, I'd go to Chick-fil-A for breakfast and they just had it down. Yeah. Like they had the lines in the right areas. They had the, the like social distancing procedures. They had like super fast service. Everything was clean. No one was touching the same box. It was like an assembly line. It was incredible. Then you look at the United States and they're like, they're like, uh, we don't know what to do. Yeah. And you, like you saw 
fast food adapted really quickly. And I think it shows just like the, the intelligence of them, just kind of like how to run is very smooth. And you saw that with a lot of companies, Apple, Amazon, touch on later, but like just how they were run was very smooth and that showed, but like compared to other organizations, like the CDC, for example, you saw how like they fumbled going about how to distribute information about the pandemic. Um, and Fauci, I don't believe is technically associated with the CDC, but kind of like lumped into that group um, and how they went about it was incredibly just dumb and how they told America what to do. It just didn't make any sense. And you saw that and you saw some companies uh, play innovate. I, I'll disagree with you on that because I don't think it's completely okay. the CDC messed up massively and it's this like complete like, failure on their part. I more so think that the CDC took the approach that they would investigate this, the pandemic and adapt towards its current time. So at first they looked at it and said, well, we don't need to do this and that. So let's not either scare the American people and, or let's not implement that until later down the line, if it's needed. Same thing with Fauci is we didn't know anything about COVID-19. We only knew, I mean, they knew more than we did. Don't get me wrong obviously, because they've known about it before we knew about it. They went to school for it. We didn't. So there's a lot of things that way. And I think the CDC took the approach that we're going to implement new stages of security and or like more understanding throughout this process. And then the more and more, the longer it went on, the more and more they knew about it. So they implemented different things. Like for instance, when it first came out, they were basically telling everyone not to wipe down every surface, like don't touch anything, this and that. And then later on, it comes out that it's, you could catch it off a surface, but it's probably really not likely. Yeah, no, that makes, makes sense when you look at it like in that sense. So then to touch on like the final point on this. So then an unintelligent example would be celebrities and they're kind of BS in the world because there was a point before this where the celebrity spoke, it was it was like gospel. It was like, we have to listen. Their points are so valid. Their points make so much sense. And through this whole pandemic, I've seen nothing but cancel culture, I guess, just destroy all these celebrities and their points and call their BS out. No, they deserve it because they sit there and they preach on their high land and then they don't ignore all the rules. Yep. So number four to moving on would be innovation. So Again, don't remember a time where we had to think so fast on our feet um, in terms of how to adapt to different policies that were, that were coming out. You're talking about the CDC a second ago about how they were implementing phases and kind of doing things in a phase-like fashion on how to control the pandemic and different ways business, businesses can go about it. And I think you saw the innovation within small businesses having to adapt and how to, how to quickly like move on their feet. It's easier for companies like Chick-fil-A but small business businesses that are, you know, they have one store, how to adapt to be able to make ends meet, I thought was very in, in the forefront of like of our culture. Another one would be um, kind of streaming and how the innovation from movie theaters, when there were no movie theaters allowed to open up, they streamlined everything to now like things like HBO Max, Netflix, Apple TV. So they innovated quickly on the fly because there was no plan to do HBO Max the way they are. Like Warner's having all their movies come out on HBO Max now, I believe. Yeah. For the next Wonder Woman. Yeah, for the next year, Wonder Woman, perfect example. 
Um, they weren't planning on doing that a year ago. They had no intention of that. Disney reshuffled everything. Now everything's coming out on Disney Plus for all the Marvel shows and movies. So things like that, um, I thought innovation was clearly on the forefront. I thought that was like one of the, clearly I thought it was one of the best things to come out of 2020 because it leads to so many more things for, I think, potentially a renaissance within how we operate it as, as a country. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think I'd actually have it close to number one on my list just because yeah. innovation speed that things were done this year is pretty incredible how people adapted and changed so fast. The vaccine. I mean, the vaccine itself is, yeah, yeah is the, probably the number one thing to point out that we had a vaccine that they didn't expect for us to have in two to three years. We had it in nine months. And that was because of the innovation and pressure that, that, the, that the pandemic caused where we completely reinvented a whole new vaccine yeah and, uh, and it's pretty incredible and like you earlier you said all these other massive companies were able to adapt really fast and they came up with better ways for us to to integrate back into society even though we couldn't see each other zoom i know was around well before the pandemic but it's obviously gotten bigger there's microsoft teams like a bunch of things were added in a lot of meetings from businesses are virtual now they, they were able to keep up production at home instead of in an office which will It'd be interesting to see what happens when the pandemic's over. Will people even go back to the office? Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of things that changed in 2020 that you may not want to think of the year as a positive year, but there was a lot of positive things that came. Um, I don't know if learning was a massive advancement. I, th I think it was in terms that teachers had to adapt to the time to figure out how to teach kids without, without in-person learning. I don't think that there was a lot of effort to be made to make online learning better just because everyone expected them to go back to school. Yeah, it was, it was done and has been done to just kind of get by. But yeah, yeah I, I would agree. Like it was a quick adaption, but there hasn't been any like adaptions to the adaptions, <laughs> you know, they haven't yeah. redone it to help better the students because they're still struggling. Like some schools, especially elementary schools are still closed. Like they're just not, it seems like they're kind of just not trying anymore. Um, that's, here nor there, they did what they they did what they could, um, and I think that's a tough one for sure. So, yeah, I think rethinking it, I would put innovation near the top of my list. But um, and you gotta stick with the list. You gotta stick with the list. Yeah. So I already crossed number three off. So originally I had Amazon, and the re my thought process behind that was because Amazon, the best thing to come out twenty twenty was the fact that you could buy something, have it there within two days and you're just spending money like crazy. Yeah, right? That was already that's already there. That's already so, been there. Yeah. But I so, could say you could you could say that the necessity for Amazon increased massively in twenty twenty. True. But would that be the best thing? Probably not. I changed it to office life. And this is kind of what <laughs> you just touched on is because people aren't going to go to the office anymore. Jobs like office work jobs where you had to go and sit in a cubicle all day is like going to be non-existent. It's changed the way people are going to be productive during, during their days. Now I've heard thing like stories about now that they're not in the office, they're just having zoom calls instead. So they have like two or three zoom calls a day or, you know, three zoom calls a week or something like that. They're just like constantly having zoom calls, which I would give that to be able to work from home and like potentially stay in my pajamas all day and do the same work and the same stuff and have the comfort of my couch to sit on. Um, I think it's changed because we not once did you ever think about like you could do all your work from home when you were. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
So the job I have right now as a real estate agent, most of it's done in the field. So I don't really go to an office anyways. So I did work from home a lot. So my life didn't change too much from that aspect. Kind of an outlier though, right? But when you were working like your your summer internships yeah. at what? Goldman Sachs? Is, no, is it's Stan, a, Stanley uh, Morgan. Morgan Stanley. Yeah. Morgan Stanley, sorry. Um, right? You were in the office all the time. Yeah, every day. Do you, so, think, you, do you think you could have done all your work at, at home or at least like 90% of it? Not really, but I don't want to say no because I have some buddies who still work not there, but they work in the same industry and they had to go home and they're like, yeah, it's really different. Um, the thing is with, with finances, there's a lot of security stuff. So like when you're in an office, that building yeah. is, is, ta- is wired in a way where there's a lot of monitoring going on, not from the people, but like transactions, there's a lot of money flowing through the, or not a lot of money transactions. There's a lot of wire transfers. There's a lot of, a lot going on. So it's very secure with the internet and everything. Gotcha. So I think at home, sorry, I think at home, it changes massively because there's probably some restrictions to what you can do now. So some people's jobs may have been harder because they couldn't do exactly what they used to be able to do at the office. But I also think that you give it after six months of doing it, then they probably figured out how they, how they could make sure everything is the way it is in an office. Do you think they would go back? I think a lot of offices are getting smaller. Um, I've talked to some commercial real estate guys and they're saying a lot of, a lot of companies are downsizing. They're, they're keeping their office, but only for kind of the higher ups and a lot of the, not going to offend anyone for saying this, but the worker bees are going to be working from home um, just because there's a lot less overhead on the, on the company. If you don't have to rent out the space, you don't have to pay that real estate. Yeah. I think from for my office, the only time we ever used to go to the office anyways was for meetings. And we have this building that um, my boss owns. And I was thinking, you really don't need anything more than probably an office for you and a couple of the partners and then a conference room for, to do our meetings. Yeah. And that's it. Because yeah. to be honest with you, my internet's better here. I have better tools here, better computers and stuff than I get at the office. And... I enjoy working here more, but a lot of people aren't single 24 year olds, not single. Oops. We get in trouble for that. Um, aren't 24 year olds with no kids and aren't married are at home working when a lot of guys have kids and a wife and a lot of distractions at home. Like I don't have little John running up to me and pulling my arms and legs to go, you know, go hang out or throw the baseball around. So, I think a lot of guys will have to have an office just because they, they won't have the peace and quiet to focus like that's I do. Fair. I think on the grand scheme of things, though, I think that's near the bottom of nuisances to deal with. Um, because like people would drive like four yeah. hours in traffic to just go to the office all day and sit there for eight hours and then drive three hours back in traffic. And that was yeah, like I would, what Brian, everyone was doing. I would uh, definitely find a place, even if it was outside in the middle of a field. To not have to drive four hours to go to work. Yeah, and people were doing it, and I mean, people are still doing it to a point. But I think, I think companies are going to continue to seriously look at this revamping it. And do you think it will help because of that? Because you can do your job kind of at home. Do you think it will help create more jobs, or do you think it will just level out and stay stay the same? I don't know if it'd say necessarily more jobs because the reason why more jobs are created is is because the company's growing, so there's more duties. Moving everyone home wouldn't necessarily really create that many more duties. Now, if the company was more profitable and better 
if like more efficient, then yeah, yeah, they might make some, they might expand faster. Um, but on the cynical side, I bet you money that this working at home may have shrunk the situation because either people were laid off because of the pandemic and they said, Hey, you know, we don't really need his job because nothing's changed. Or you get a lot of people that went home and they're not productive because they can't focus by themselves or focus like not in the office. And they were probably fired because they're like, you're not very productive. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two ways to that, to that formula. Yeah, for sure. No, that's, that's a good point. All right, moving on. Number two on my list. You're going to hate me for this, but I have sports and not in the way that I think you think. Um, I have sports number two because when sports ended, when the NBA was going and it was right after the Super Bowl, when we had the lockdowns, you had the NBA and then it just, it just stopped, right? Yep. There was a big wall of no sports and no, I guess, distractions. And I think it was very apparent to the American culture and the American psyche to have sports. As you saw, as soon as the NBA picked up and had the bubble, that people were engaged and they were following it just like it never left. And even even more so, now you could say like TV streaming was down and things like that, but like people were more engaged on on apps like the score and things catching up on the scores of their teams and and such um i think it unified the country and gave the country something to distract themselves with same with the nfl um having fantasy back you know things like that i think was very important for the country and it showed just how important sports is not to mention the fact that they do have platforms and regardless if you agree or disagree with it the social causes and the social things that players and coaches and organizations are standing for and saying is important overall for the country, I believe. Um, so I had that number two, and I think it's just going to continue to, to build. And I think it's going to continue to get, to get better as a product. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you think? Do you think you should have it that higher? No. Yeah, why do you disagree? I don't even think it should be on the list why? because I hated sports this year. Why was that? We, we talked about it a little bit. You weren't, I just don't you like the way as engaged, I guess. No, I wasn't at all engaged. And I'm a huge sports guy. I love watching baseball and every sport, really. And I had like no desire to. I watched football because I felt football was like the only really normal one. Uh, college football was a complete utter failure, I think. Um, some teams only played six games to get into the playoff. I'm not going to talk about that. But I think basketball was a huge failure. I don't think it should count as a regular NBA championship. You're inside of a bubble. You're playing in like a controlled environment. It's not really an away game or a home game. The suspense isn't there. The pressure's not there. It's like a, to me, it felt like just a, a recreational game between a bunch of professional players. And at the end, they're like, oh, congrats, Lakers. You get a uh, congressional or not congressional recreational trophy because you won your, you know, men's 40 and over basketball league this year. Hey, so, there's a bunch of 19 year olds too. No, I know, but it just, it pissed me off and baseball pissed me off. Um, I get what you're saying. A baseball season with 182 games boiled down to 60 games. It's not a regular baseball 62. season. 62, sorry. Down to uh, 60 games. It's not a regular baseball season at all. The pitchers were a lot more fresh. Players I, got on way hotter streaks. All it took was like to get on one streak where you won 10 in a row, you're in the playoffs. 
So there's a lot of issues. And again, I don't think that the Dodgers should be running around saying we won the World Series when you kind of didn't. You played a third of a baseball season and walked away with the trophy. Your LA biases are, are coming in full effect. I don't care. I stand by it. <laughs> I even said this. I, I admitted this well before baseball season. I said if the Chicago Cubs won, I would not be that happy. I, so I agree with you in the fact of the actual product itself was kind of disengaging. I didn't watch a whole ton of the NBA once the bubble started. Baseball, I think I watched one game of the World Series. I didn't watch a single Red Sox game. Not only because the Red Sox sucked, but I, I just didn't want to watch it. And baseball was weird because it was really affected by fans, and you could tell. My mm. glass half full take on having sports back and the reason why it was so important important was social justice stuff aside it showed just how important it is within the american culture of giving people something to talk about giving people something other than the stresses of working a job social justice stuff that's going on it gave them that that outlook the pandemic like you don't have to worry about the pandemic because you're watching football you're watching basketball Regardless of the product itself and who won and who's claiming titles and things like that, um, I think that's why I think that's why it was so important. Would you agree with that, or do you still kind of disagree? I agree with it in only one one area is that it gave people a distraction <laughs> during the pandemic, and that's it. That's as far as I'll go. I think I do not think it was well executed. I think it was a money grab. I, they I didn't want to lose that. They didn't want to lose out on the seasons. And I just like it lacked any like let's put it this way, diehard college football fan watch watch every Ducks game, even watched all the big games. I watched one big game this year, and that was the Alabama game, and I only watched a couple Ducks games. I had no desire to watch it because it didn't mean anything this year. We could have gone undefeated and probably still not gone to the playoff just because of how many how many games we played. Like it's just not it was not fun this year. Like nothing was fun about sports to me. I'm not saying that was that was the same for everyone. Obviously, if you're a Dodger fan, you you think you won the World Series. Um, you didn't. Uh, but yeah. my point is, is that it lacked the fan attention. The fandom. Yeah, and that matters. Like the suspension. I'll never forget, like sitting there watching baseball games, and it's like two outs. They need one run to win, and they hit like a home run or like a uh, baseline freaking drive and then you're just like everyone's screaming in the stadium through the tv and you're just like you're like excited yourself you're like this is awesome and then now it's like oh i just hit a grand slam to win the world series everyone's like cool like there's no yeah. excitement i again i don't disagree and i fully agree with what you're saying the fandom aspect of it i'm just saying i think bigger picture it was it showed the importance of it and when it's removed from the culture it shows um, it showed how impactful that removal of it is. It, it was kind of my general take. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree that the Lakers, their 17th ring shouldn't count. Um, so the final one I have is the government. And I think it's the best thing to come out of 2020 because. Oh, that would be good. Because it, it showed. Incompetence. Incompetence. It showed the unintelligence, like we mentioned before, of the people we're putting into office. It showed the importance of having not only a stable government, but a functioning, well-minded government. It showed that our government is not that, right? LA, for example, is 
Gavin Newsom's complete idiot, right? People talk that's about Trump. LA, that's California. Yeah. Okay. L.A. and California, all of it. The mayor there, I forget his name. Um, a lot of people talk about Trump, just like everything that was associated with that, for better or for worse. Um, it just showed the way everything was handled within the pandemic. It showed how important it is to put a governor that has the best interest of the people in charge. Whereas before you just voted like, oh, I'm Republican, I'm going to vote Republican or I'm just going to like not vote and it doesn't matter or whatever, right? People seemed like they cared more this year. And I think, I think that matters. And, I, and I'm, I'm not glad that it showed the buffoonery of America and the government system, but I think it can only help it. Maybe not this election cycle or the next one, um, but I think it can slowly have local to eventually state to eventually federal changes that will be important for the American people. All right. I get behind that one. I think that it shows how important it is not to vote down party lines and more so vote for the most competent person. Yeah, um, um, for sure. I, I mean, I also think it showed the corruption in government. I mean, a lot of things have gone on on both sides of the aisle that are just kind of ridiculous, but we just ignore them because we go, oh, that's politics, which is just a sad way of looking at things. Yeah, and now now that people are aware of this, they know who they will know who to vote for. They will know what policies actually mean, what are actually being implemented. They know that people like Nancy Pelosi, who like she's been there forever, maybe she's not the best person, you know, to be in. Maybe next election she's removed. Things Why like not? that, I think, <laughs> I think will will happen. Maybe she was a bad example, but I think you kind of get what I'm saying with that. No, I do agree. I, I completely get what you're saying and I get where you're coming from on that. So I'm just disappointed in kind of how politics turned out this year. So it, I mean, but as an interesting is, point, yeah, as a political science major and like you pretty much studied politics, I, I guess in that sense of what you said you were disappointed. What, why were you disappointed for? Like what was one specific thing that really stood out that disappointed you? I think people voted for their heart and not for the best candidate. And I'm not saying that I think that's on both sides of the aisle. I think that there's this, this weird notion in the United States right now that you should vote for the nicest person and the guy who's got the best smile versus the person that has the best policies. And I mean, I may be showing my cards in that aspect, but the United States is not a, someone you're trying to date. It's a, the biggest country in the world on the biggest stage in the world. And you need somebody who's going to look out for your best interest, protect us, because as soon as someone doesn't, China and Russia and every big country is going to look on us and see any vulnerability or chink in the armor and they're going to take advantage of it. And I, I think this people are too, and I'm not saying it's like doomsday, like the end of the world is coming tomorrow, but Rome wasn't toppled in a day. It takes a long time. Yeah. And I think that this, this weird notion of like, well, I really like him because he's just a good person. Okay. But like, yeah, he's a good person, but he could also be like a good person at home and be an accountant. He doesn't need to be helping run this country. That's fair. <laughs> or she, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just as many females in politics that are just as corrupt as the males. We just tend to look <laughs> Hillary Clinton, Pelosi. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's some, a... there's some, I mean, you even had the Republican Georgia lady who, got in trouble for insider trading. I mean, there's a lot of crap that goes on and people just tend to turn a bad eye because it's 
it's like an us versus them situation. Like we're on teams, like Democrats are on a team and Republicans are on a team and we're trying to win the game when the loser isn't you or me, it's the country. It's everybody. Everybody loses when, when incompetence is, is brought in from the top, which is the government. So it's a little bit of a morbid take, but yeah, it's true. I think also what this kind of showed was that maybe the two party system and the way it's set up, you were just touching on it. It was like me versus them. It's like very one-sided, um, whether, whatever way you fall on, I think the idea of a third party or some kind of unified party um, is something that will gain steam over the next four years and oh. hopefully lead to certain policy changes. Now, I'm not saying like all of a sudden we're going to have a libertarian president. Well, that's I, my I point, though, is, is that option. we do have other options, but no one ever falls behind them because they don't have a chance of winning. So something would have to change to allow them for a chance to win. Like for the Libertarian Party, they got a lot of votes this year. Yeah, they got a couple million. So, so some would say say uh, they got enough to swing the election out of certain people's favor. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Which, but I think that's, that's right. I think that's important because not like last time we voted, I don't remember who the third party candidate was. Uh, I remember talking it about it. Gary Johnson. It's Gary Johnson for Libertarian Party, and then it was. Jill Stein for the Green Party. They were both nut- kooks. Yeah. Now you just say they're they're kooks, but like this year, I remember specifically who it was. I remember like certain policies about it and things like that that I I, I didn't before, and I just think that it's a good thing for the American people to recognize the flaws and the good things about the government. I think that's potentially sure. like the best thing to come out of twenty twenty is flaws which is a weird way to look at it but it is what it no, is my, i like i like to take it's a good take yeah but all right so that was my list i got intelligence unintelligence number five coming in at number four would be innovation which i probably would put a little higher now because of all your points number three i had office life and then i had sports which redoing my list i probably would bump down to number four and then i had government as number one so i think uh we kind of backed it up a little bit you don't necessarily agree with all of it, but you know who gives a shit. That makes a better podcast. Exactly. <laughs> any last any last words? That's it for me. I hope everyone had a good New Year and looking looking forward to twenty twenty one. That's for sure. For sure. So, happy New Year, everyone. Twenty twenty one's on the horizon. All our problems are just going to go away like that. Um, so get vaccinated. And uh, <clears throat> during twenty twenty one, we're going to try to revamp some things. Kind of go over the podcast a little bit. Kind of. We retool it. You know, we've done 20. This is going to be our 20th episode, Ryan. No, that's pretty cool. That's actually really cool considering we just started it as like kind of a, a fun thing to do. Yeah, 20 episodes we've done usually be one, a year. One, one a week. Yeah, we did uh, a couple. Yeah. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah. So we're going to kind of revamp it, kind of look at it. And season two um, will be on the horizon, I think, soon enough. With all that being said, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and check out our Instagram and our yeah our Instagram page, right? That's what we got going on. Check out our Instagram page for when the episodes go live. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.